Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. And today, we got the one and only Brooke Taylor. She's going to tell you all about her journey from being at Google to being on her own now and what success looks like. And I'm telling you, ladies and guys, you're gonna, you don't want to miss this podcast if you're listening in. And if you're watching this on YouTube, watch it to the end because we're going to drop some real gems here. So Brooke, will you please let my audience know how you got started and a little bit about the beginning, you know, to, to get to where you are today? Yes, thank you so much. I grew up in Silicon Valley before it was kind of the Silicon Valley that we know of today. Yeah. It was this um, place where the nerdiest programmers could come and become rock stars. Yeah. All you had to do was work really, really hard. Yeah. And I grew up in a culture that prized intellect and achievement and ambition over over anything. Um, in a lot of ways, it was super inspiring. There were so many amazing things being done. Um, it allowed, it cultivated a great work ethic in me. Um, but on the other hand, there was also this really intense pressure to achieve and to succeed. Um, and I carried that with me through university and into my first job at Google. I really valued external validation. I was only as good as my last piece of feedback. I was so dependent upon being good as and being successful as a means to belong to my community. So, um, you know, had a, a lot of early career success at Google. I was in advertising sales on the AdWords side for quite some time, moved over into a team around product and sales activation where I worked on YouTube for a bit, um, always within the advertising space um, and always client facing. I even ran a team that provided workshops to C-suite executives at our advertising clients around how they could better target their customers on Google. Had a really exceptional time working in tech um, but all the while knew kind of deep down that I was struggling with this kind of imposter syndrome with this need for external validation that manifested in things like burnout um, and manifested in um, uh, low self-confidence, low self-esteem. I was either kind of, I've either felt I was the best in the room or the worst in the room. And that really brought uh, forward to me kind of a moment of reckoning where I really needed to do a lot of work to work on my self-confidence and my self-esteem in the workplace um, and really kind of create and tune into what it is that I want and how I define success. So that was kind of the jumping off point around my career pivot. Um, but I still work with a lot of women in tech um, and I love that I have that tech background. And that's amazing. I think you touched on uh, a lot of um, topics that don't don't, it's not a kind of in the forefront, right? You talked about self-confidence, um, comparison. Um, I know when I made the jump from, you know, um, into like Microsoft, everyone is good. Everyone's a superstar from their last job. I felt like the best thing I could explain is like, I felt like I went from the G League to the NBA. Yes, Everyone's exactly. a superstar. And then they got superstars. That's even better than superstars. You got people who got five PhDs, right? And you're like, oh, I used to be the best at security. And I realized I'm like a level 100 here, you know? So That's then, right. you know, it, it goes, it kind of, for me at least, it's like, man, I, you know, I'm trying to get better every night, not realizing like, you know, they brought me in because I got a superpower too. And mm. I'm just a part of the team, 
right? And mm. then, you know, and I was, you know, it took me some time as I got older just to realize you don't really need comparison. To what the, what does that do? You know, like you might have started, you know, in Silicon Valley where you've seen that every day. I grew up in Brooklyn in a community and a Caribbean community where, you know, I was, I couldn't, when we had a computer, most people didn't, right? So for mm -hmm. me to fix it and break it, it was cool, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Our journey is just different. And I think that's something that, um, you know, to keep it on topic for today is if you're a lady or you're, you know, a man out there and you're seeing these different figures, right? And you see their success, that doesn't limit your success. You know, to me, I think that's an opportunity to ask those questions internally first of why you're here and what you want to get out of there because you can't let the external determine your self-worth um, because these companies, you know, they do a great job to, you know, like, especially now to work in your mind, but you got to do the internal work to make sure you know what success looks like for you so you don't get burned out too quick. And um, I even created like a little video on burnout um, just because, you know, it's real. Um, so, but anyway, that's, that's fantastic. And this goes into the next question is you touched on a little bit, but what was your experience like working at Google and starting your career there? I know you touched on it a bit. Can you expand upon that a little bit more? Sure. So I started my career at Google in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. The reason for that is there's a regional sales office there. It's grown a lot since then, but I went to school at McGill University, which is in Montreal. And um, so in Canada, and we had a Canadian sales presence in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. So I went and did a lot of small and medium-sized AdWords sales to Canadian businesses. Loved it. Started um, in a program, basically, uh, like a training program for new grads with 45 other really intelligent, incredible people from all over the country. And I had a really good time. That was probably, that was one of my favorite chapters at Google was that nearly two years I spent in Ann Arbor. Um, there was a time kind of early on in my career where I realized I was kind of hiding. I wasn't stepping up to the plate. I, I was, there were a lot of fear around, um, not being the best and not being good enough really stopped me, I think, from trying. And I I realized probably about nine months into the job that I really had to step up to the plate and like, you know, start, start really applying myself. And once I did that, that really helped my confidence. I started seeing the results. I started saying, wow, I can do this. Um, and then it took on kind of a slowly, very slowly took on kind of a new form, which was Ooh, I like, I like the fact that I can be the best here. And I got to feel that kind of similar addiction feeling that I felt, you know, maybe in college, that kind of input output. If I study this much and I'll get the A, or if I work this hard, I'll, you know, I'll get this kind of promotion. So um, that started to take hold as I moved to New York, joined a team that provided um that where we were kind of mandated around um, competitive selling, advertising selling against television and um, bringing ad dollars over to YouTube and helping brands find success on YouTube and through digital video. This was back in, you know, 2013, 2014. So um, certainly, you know, digital video has changed a lot, you know, in the last 10 years, but 10 years ago, it was a tough sell. Um, and I really enjoyed that too. Um, uh, in terms of comparison, that comparison trap got me in New York too, because it was even a larger pool. Um, but there, I really kind of found um, found my feet and found my confidence again. That's great, um, and that's and I, I feel like um, you know Google's uh, you know you hear about all the the stories on how tough it is there, right? 
Um, but I, I'm starting to realize that that mindset from Google is spread throughout the tech sector, right? So I think what you're talking about is things that, um, again, is, is top of mind, right? Even now when I'm talking to somewhere, I do a lot of, um, uh, I speak to students, right? That's in college to let them know how it is. Like I like to go into a lot of state colleges because that's where I went. I went to the University of Buffalo and mm-hmm. tend to see those type of schools get looked upon, looked over um, from like, you know, Google's and Microsoft, but it's a right. mindset, right? And how you how you present yourself, how you market yourself to do that. And I, you know, I have to tell them that like you, you're going to feel like you're inadequate sometimes because you know, if you're going to, like, I know I'll get in some interviews and I'm going up with someone from Stanford. I'm like, man, Stanford, I saw the curriculum. I've been reading the books, right? You know, like this is intimidating, but it don't matter, right? It's the best person for the culture and for the job. And it seemed like it's been a little bit more flexibility, especially as of, of late where, you know, they take those, when I say they, the hiring manager taking those into consideration. Uh, but this kind of goes into our next question. You termed the coin, and maybe I don't know if it's you or not, is, you know, what is the success wound and how is and how is it created in women, right? Um, can you talk a little bit more about that success wound and what does that mean? Yeah, so the success wound, I, after coaching about 5,000 high achieving women in tech and across other industries, they all had seemingly different symptoms. One would be over-functioning and burning out and overworking. The other would be hiding and not stepping up to the plate. Another would be perfectly clear on what she wanted in her career, but no idea how to get it. The other would have no idea what she wanted, but had no problem with inaction. Um, Imposter syndrome, uh, you know, problems with executive presence. They all seem to have very different symptoms, but what I realized is that the root cause was the same. And the root cause is something that I've touched on already in my own story, but I call it the success wound. And it's the pain that comes from mistaking your success and your self-worth, conflating those two. Um, It is a universal human experience um, that gets instilled in childhood, reinforced through educational systems, capitalism, um, corporations, and it's the false belief system that your worthiness of love and belonging is contingent upon what you produce, what you achieve, or what you do, rather than the inherent goodness and worthiness of who you are. So in some way, shape, or form, we all buy into this lie that not just the title, but like our productivity indicates our our worthiness. And there's a sense of guilt or shame if we haven't achieved or produced or behaved in a certain way. So I help people heal that success wound, that kind of root trauma. And that looks different for women and men. It looks different for people of different socioeconomic backgrounds, looks different for immigrants versus non-immigrants. But I work specifically on the success wound with women. And what I can tell you is that after healing that success wound, people have better performance than they did before, simply because they have aligned their ambition with a greater sense of purpose, meaning, um, and they're able to achieve what it is that they want with a greater sense of fulfillment. So when I healed my success wound, for example, and went through a deep period of transformation, I actually got promoted faster. I got a better performance review without even trying so hard because I was finally very clear on my value proposition and I could hone in on that. Um, I started caring less about uh, external pressures, about performance timelines and promotion timelines. And I focused a lot more on the quality of the work. I started doing things outside of work that lit me up. I started, you know, my self-esteem grew tremendously. um, And my clients have seen similar results too. 
Yeah, and that's that's fantastic because um, like I keep saying, I know it sounds like a a broken record. Right? That is top of mind, right? Um, I can tell yeah. you in my career, um, it's been so. It took me a while to get comfortable of what I was good at, and once, like you said, once you get comfortable with that, is this everything just starts to flow. I think you get yeah. into that state of flow where you can just do anything, right? You know, like I'm not too worried about taking on new projects and not being successful because I realize. If you take on projects that you're all successful, you're not growing, you're not learning, you're not mm. changing. And then also that also limits your growth because you get categorized in a, part a particular area. So um, mm. that's really good. And then also, I think when you say, you know, you focus on women, I think sometimes women go through this and sometimes it's not, not like Lisa, well, from my experience, they're not able to show that emotion because then that's looked upon as weakness, right? It looks upon as something that, um, you know, is a bad thing. And they, and I feel like with that extra attention, they can uh, achieve more. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to create this podcast to introduce women to women like yourself, right? So that, you know, we can help, that I could be an ally and help the ladies on that journey, right? To, to, to have that one little tip, because if someone meets you right now, and then you help them with the success wound, right? And now they start achieving everything. My job is done. And right, and mm -hmm. that lady now, you just transform the lady in their, and their generation right after them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that goes yeah. into our next question perfectly is what is conscious success and why is it critical for female leaders to adopt? Conscious success is a state of internal harmony, contentment, and fulfillment that comes from following the directions of one's internal guidance system rather than the directions of the culture. So as we talk about the success wound in women, let's be honest, most of the world that we've seen that we see today have, has been built by men and in a more kind of masculine value system. Um, typically what happens when women even go to school or start working um, is that they feel the need to succeed within a masculine paradigm, right? Yeah. To do it like a man would do it. And in so doing, she rejects part of herself and she starts to identify with a more masculine way of working with needing approval from the powers that be with needing that sort of external validation to be like, is this good? Am I good? And so that's when she kind of tunes into society, which is highly influenced by patriarchy to say, who should I be? What should I be doing? And where should I go? So healing that success wound brings you into right relationship with the truth of who you are, who you were, who you were before the world told you who you should be. So conscious success is asking your internal guidance system, your true self, your healthy self, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, that internal compass. What do I really want? What do I need in order to thrive? What's important to me? And how can I take aligned action towards that vision as that true self? So when I started embodying this conscious success, it, it actually shifted every part of my life. I changed friendships. I changed how I spent my time. I changed my relationship with alcohol and partying. I became much more focused on community building, um, being my more authentic self, not requiring validation from anyone I would meet on the street. Um, 
choosing to be in community with people who were like-minded, who are interested in personal development and spirituality. And as a result of coming into alignment with my internal guidance system, I experienced much more freedom and contentment and harmony than ever before. And that internal guidance system is also the part that told me, Hey, it's time for you to go give this away to other women and to leave corporate. And because I'd had so many small instances of trusting my internal guidance system, when it eventually came down to a big leap of leaving Google and starting this business, it was a no brainer because I already trusted myself enough to do that. And I've been trusting that voice ever since. That's great. And um, you talk about this trust in yourself is it's critical, right? I think that is the key to success. But first, I think you also talked about defining what success is for you and yeah. then trust in your decision. And when you make that, take that leap that, you know, whatever happens, happens. And whether it's good or bad, you know, you took the leap to believe in yourself because I can only imagine, you know, how challenging it was you for you to leave Google, right? Because sometimes, you know, being attached to Google is some people dream. And now that That's you're right. going to leave that, you know, people are going to think you're crazy. Like, why would you leave that and start your own, right? You could become a millionaire there. Why are you going out here to go start your own? And and I think it's imperative to have that um that self self compass and to know mm -hmm. like you know everyone's going to have an opinion, but the only opinion that really matters is you and yourself. And if you have a family, maybe your family also. But you know, you guide where you want to go, and I think that's truly impactful. So I'm glad that you share that, bro. Um, Thank you. So, this goes into the next question. I think you just setting them up for like home runs. I like to say is what are some of the common obstacles that face women in tech and how do you recommend overcoming them? So there are two sets of our obstacles. There are internal obstacles and external obstacles. External obstacles are things like unconscious bias, things like policy issues that don't allow women to stay in the workplace, um, those types of things. Internal obstacles are things like imposter syndrome, um, staying hidden or staying in one's comfort zone, not being able to kind of try um, succeeding, but only so much and not wanting to kind of, again, try something new. Um, failures around knowing how to uh, harness your authenticity in executive presence. Those are typically the biggest ones. Um, also burnout as well. All of those things, you know, what I help my clients on are those in internal obstacles. And I do that by healing their success wound, helping them redefine success and tune them into their innate authenticity, such that all of a sudden executive presence becomes easier because they know what their value proposition and they know who they are and how to show up. Things like burnout slip away because they're no longer motivated by that kind of frenzied, frantic need to succeed at all costs. Things like imposter syndrome slip away because they know who they are and why they're there and why they deserve to show up. External obstacles, you know, as a coach, I'm not working on those as much, but I used to do a lot of DEI work, diversity, equity, and inclusion work, and I'd run unconscious bias trainings. I'd run uh, inclusive leadership trainings and all of that. Um, but my hypothesis is that by helping women to become more tuned into their truth, they're then able to go activate and change some of those structural barriers. Well said, man. I don't have, that's just a mic drop there. I don't have anything to add on that, man. That was a uh, beautifully said. Um, yeah, I guess, um, I guess one question I would ask is how long does that 
process take? And I'm probably going to say depends on the person and where they at. Um, like how long is, does that process take that when you work with your clients? So it depends. <laughs> I know I knew, you knew where I was going to say that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So typically I walk my clients through a four-step process to heal that success wound and to, and to come into a state of conscious success. Yeah. The first step is to diagnose. You need to diagnose your success wound, just like you would take a gaping wound to the doctor. They'd assess, they'd assess the size, the shape. They'd ask what happened. I do just that. We need to figure out what got you here. What got you to a feeling of being lost, directionless, directionless burnout or imposter syndrome? What were the belief systems that your cultural upbringing taught you about success and failure and what good looks like? So we diagnose that success wound. Then we go into a vision stage. So we set the vision from our true self of what it is that we really want from our career, from our life in general. Then we go into the third stage and that's to heal and repair that success wound. So we go through a typical process of general um, neuro-linguistic programming, um, some subconscious reprogramming and general coaching to help people's belief systems become rewired such that they can be in concert and congruent with the behavior, the new behavior that they want to see. And then we go into the fourth step, which is to emerge. So people often tell me like they're in the same skin, but they feel like they have a new brain and they're able to take aligned action towards that vision that was set in the second step. So that process, I typically walk my clients through that process around nine months. Some people have, and of course it's very much a lifelong process. There are always layers to this. Um, but the results that I've seen are really incredible. A lot of them, not just in the career space, like finding a new job or being able to uh, ask for a promotion or a raise in a more confident way, but they've also even called in the loves of their life, created new communities, moved, started businesses. It's remarkable what can happen when we kind of look at some of the root cause causes of suffering and we're able to alleviate that. It really does have a ripple effect on people's lives. That was great. And um, this kind of ties in right into the next question is what are some success stories of your clients that you worked with? Yeah. So I have a client named Bree. She came to me in a uh, pretty toxic place in a toxic culture with a bad relationship with her manager. She was at a fintech company and had started there right out of college, had stayed, you know, for 10 years and really had no idea what it is that she wanted because she felt very disconnected from herself. She didn't really recognize the person she had become this kind of uh, lower self-esteem, uh, not standing up for herself. She'd left her kind of like bubble, bubbly enthusiasm, zest for life. And so after going through these four steps, Brie completely transformed. She understood who she was on a deeper level and how she had gotten off course. She understood how to communicate with her internal guidance system and what it was telling her. She even quit her job without another one lined up because she trusted her internal guidance system around that. And she was able to ultimately land a new job after working on a couple different startup projects um, in venture capital. So she did a total career pivot and she, um, you know, but as an example, there are still layers that we're working on together. Um, she might be kind of headed in the right direction in her career, but that success wound can can pop up um, after you kind of 
there's kind of like that initial breakthrough and then you kind of reach a you know a state of homeostasis it's almost like climbing climbing everest you climb to one height then you have to pause and acclimate and then you cause to another height and you pause and acclimate so i'm still doing on this work with myself for example um, just because you leave a corporate setting doesn't mean that corporate leaves you there's so much kind of still ingrained in my mind about what successful entrepreneur looks like around what a successful business looks like um and the more i can let that go the actually the more success I have. And that same is true for my clients. That's amazing. That's, that's great. Um, I'm excited. You know, I wish I was a lady right now. So if you're a lady out there, you got to go talk to Brooke. I'm going to have all her links inside the show notes. I'm also going to have it within the YouTube description. So click on those. Um, and I can just tell you for myself is um, once I took the time to, you know, I do everyday daily reflection. I got a self-reflection journal, what I am, what, what, what am I grateful for? What do I want to get done and how I'm going to get it done? And um, for me and, and what's giving me energy and what's taking me energy away, right? Um, hmm. that, that kind of changed my life, right? Because I remember I got to a point, I became a director of product marketing on the last five months. And, you know, I never quit. But I could tell you cl- I climbed the wrong ladder and this wasn't the right organization for me. The organization was fine. It just wasn't the fit for me. And it, had, hmm. it took me everything to say, you know what, let me just leave. Right, because I can know that my performance is probably not the best. Just had my daughter. I'm at a startup. As you know, in startups, you got to work all day. There's no time off. Right. You know, um, and it wasn't the right place for me at that time. So I had to walk away. But it was hard, you know, because you know, now like, man, I failed. Um, you know, I didn't do well. I quit, you know, and I had this long self-pity talk for like at least a month. And I'm like, man, I'm done. You know, you climbed the wrong ladder. You're actually here now. You're doing a job that you like, um, the skills that you're using. And then, you know, flash forward three years later, I make more now as an individual contributor and doing something I actually like to do, right? You know, so it's just like sometimes, you know, really having that clarity of who you are and what you want to do seems like, you know, I know a lot of, and when I talk to the younger kids, like that's that's not the key slide. I'm like, but what else is the key? We all got a different path in life. It all depends how we want to spend our time, right? Um, and how we want to use that. And then these companies aren't our identities. Because you've been seeing that now with a recession, when so many people are losing their jobs, that they don't know what to do next because they align themselves to these companies, right? Um, so not saying that's a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of. Who are you outside of that? So again, this was a fantastic interview. One of the best ones I had, Brooke. Um, and I know the audience is walking away with a few gems. Um, so before I let you go, um, how can the audience contact you? Yeah, you can find me at brooktaylorcoaching.com. I'm on Instagram as brookvtaylor. If you go to my website, brooktaylor.com slash unstuck, you can download a really great worksheet that can help you plot out your next big career move from a space of conscious success, if that's interesting to you. Oh, that's fantastic. So Sly Gittins and Brooke Taylor are out. Peace.